Welcome to another episode of the No Feeding Tubes Show. I'm your host, Yvonne McLaren, and I'm here to help you live your best food life following or during head and neck cancer treatment. Thanks for listening and hanging out with me here today. This is a lived experience and one that I think is better shared. And what do I know? Well, in late 2018, I was diagnosed with oropharyngeal cancer and I went on to have a third of my tongue removed, both tonsils, the tumour, 30 lymph nodes and 30 chemoradiotherapy sessions. I also had a peg tube feed for 15 months and ate nothing orally in that time. So grab your favourite beverage or your walking shoes and let's get started. Greetings everybody, welcome to episode 35 of the No Feeding Tubes show. I'm Yvonne McLaren, your host. Today's discussion is going to be revolving around um, facing the public with dysphagia or facing the public after head and neck cancer treatment when you're out in cafes, restaurants, hotels, clubs, pubs, um, anywhere you might go socially where you need to ingest calories and how you ingest calories may be via your mouth, it may be via your peg tube, uh, it may be via um, a nasal tube. I, you know, There could be any number of ways that you need to face the public. Uh, I've just entitled it with dysphagia. The things I want to talk about today are mucus, coughing up stuff and for those that are watching me I'm doing that in inverted commas but um, you know it's a really antisocial thing coughing up gunk uh, and in my experience that kind of um, ebbs and flows a little bit and I've also discovered that it does depend a little bit on what I eat if I eat too much cream or if I eat too much lemon or uh, citric type stuff, I do find that it produces a bit more mucus. Um, what do you do about that when you're out and you're eating something? And I always liken it to, um, you know, one of those seafaring birds that goes out and collects fish for its young and then comes back and regurgitates it all up. I kind of liken it to that and that is not terribly, um, I don't know, socially amicable. It's a bit, you know, and if you're sitting there coughing up a lung, um, if you're anything like me, you feel a little bit self-conscious about it. Um, what you do in, in your own home is entirely up to you, of course, and in front of other people that might know you better than most, you are probably doing what I'm doing and often have to stick a finger in your mouth to dislodge something or move something or shove something to the side. Um, and quite often I have a little bowl <clears throat> where at the end of a meal I might just need to constantly spit up saliva. It's not mucus in the way that we know mucus. It's um, 
well, certainly not for me. It's it's saliva. It's just moisture that has come about as the side effects of the treatment. And I'm I'm pretty sure it's radiotherapy as much as anything. Uh, but what do you do with it? What do you do when you're out and you need to go and cough? Uh, well, what do I do? For some reason, up until now, touch wood, I've been lucky enough not to have eaten or ingested anything that's made me have to really clear my throat. However, I have been caught out um, once and I discreetly excused myself and I think I went to the bathrooms or the toilets and literally just coughed up into a um, wad of toilet paper or tissue. Um, I tend not to spit into public bowls. I tend to spit it into toilet tissue if I can and flush it away. My biggest issue is actually when I'm running when I'm doing exercise outdoors or I'm walking or I'm hiking and more often than not I'm on my own or in the middle of nowhere so it doesn't matter but quite often I might be down at my local beach. We've got a beautiful beach nearby uh, and if there's eight or nine kilometre walk that I do there and I often need to in that time frame um, cough up stuff because it's literally – blocking my airway and I can't breathe anymore. So again, I tend to travel or exercise with uh, toilet tissue that, you know, those little toilet tissues that come in a little little um, plastic dispenser bag. I tend to have those with me and I'll just have to discreetly as I can just sort of literally hoik it up, put it in that tissue and pop it in the bin. Uh, I have been known when I'm out in the middle of the Australian bush just to hoik it into the bushes somewhere. Um, as I say, it's uh, not mucus so much as it. I call it frog spawn because that's what it feels like to me. It sits across my neck where my airway is. So uh, as we know, when we're trying to breathe and talk or do anything, simultaneously if you get that mucus caught across your airway you're in a bit of trouble and you do have to get rid of it I have even been in situations did you like the way I preface this entire discussion by saying this has never happened to me and now I'm telling you all the stories that have happened to me I was on this walk one morning and um, it was a walk close to my home where people walk their dogs in the morning and I got to the top of this hill and I literally could not breathe. I mean, notwithstanding that the gradient on this hill was massive, but when I got to the top, I had good old frog spawn, as I call it, stretching right across my airway. Um, I had no option but to just hoik it up and spit it out where I was and there was a young woman coming up behind me and I looked at her and I apologised and I said to her, I'm really apologetic about having to do that. I said, it's not me spitting. Well, it is me spitting but I'm doing it because I've had head and neck cancer and I told her a really quick reason as to why I was doing it. Um. I don't know where you are listening, but particularly in Australia, in our culture, spitting on footpaths, roads, pavements is um, 
I don't think it's actually even legal. I think it is actually illegal. It's a bit like Singapore and chewing gum. Uh, I don't think it's a thing that's um, viewed very favourably here in Australia, and I suspect in probably pretty many other countries it's not either, and I suspect now even more so with COVID uh, and people being super careful about touching their face, their eyes, their hands, sneezing, coughing, uh, you know, us head and neck cancer patients who are hoiking things out merrily as we go about our daily public life is probably not seen in the most favourable of lights. So uh, some of you may be worse off than I am, but uh, I try to be discreet. I try to remove myself from the eating or drinking situation. I will go into the bathrooms or the toilets, as we call them here in Australia. Um, I don't normally spit into the hand basins. I like to put it into tissue and flush it. Or if I can't do that, at the very minimum, wrap it up and pop it in a bin somewhere. Or I just put it, I often travel with clip lock. Slip, um, you know, sandwich bags, um, and I carry them to keep my keys dry if I'm going swimming or down the beach. So I often just shove the tissue back in there and I'll take it home and deal with it when I get home. I think, uh, you know, we need to be mindful that um, at some point someone's going to say something to me or to us. Uh, it's inevitable, and I think if it was me, I would probably say something to someone if I didn't know any better. And you know, maybe now that's a good lesson for me to just perhaps don't do that, don't judge people until you've walked in their shoes. I think the saying is so coughing up mucus and what to do with it that's what I tend to do with it. And I tend to now that I'm starting to go out and eat a bit more, I do make sure that I don't order anything that's going to require regurgitation or is going to irritate my throat in a way that it starts to form that um, frog spawn, as I like to call it. The other thing I want to talk about today is feeding uh, in public with a peg tube and literally pouring that um, um, commercial formula into your peg tube when you're out. Now, because I don't have lived experience on doing that from a permanency point of view. I only had to do that for a very short amount of time. Uh, I travelled once with a box of those commercial formulas on the flight and I I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, I clearly wasn't because the cost of transporting that box with me, I might as well have bought another aeroplane seat and taken it on the plane with me. Um, anyway, I in the early days, I had no compunction about feeding myself through that peg tube uh, at friends' homes. Um, I was I was very lucky that someone flew me to another state in Australia, a beautiful state called Tasmania, and I took my food with me. And that was one of the first meals I ate actually, because they cooked for me too, and. It was nice to have someone cook for me. So that was one of my first gentle steps into eating again with my peg tube. But I did take my commercial formula with me. And I think really on that trip, I kind of made the decision that mm, let's try and not use this commercial formula too much. Would I have done it in a restaurant? 
Yes, probably. I think if my life had been going down the road of you are never getting off this peg tube, um, I think now looking back I probably would have done it in a restaurant. I don't dislike it to breastfeeding uh, and, look, I know people are poles apart on what happens with breastfeeding. I can't make any comment on that because I've not had children so I've never breastfed anyone or anything. Uh, But I I suspect it's a very similar kind of personal thing that you do and you do whatever you're comfortable with. And But for me, I probably would ask a restaurant or cafe and say, listen, do you have somewhere a bit quieter, a bit out of the way that I can just sit quietly and um, feed myself through my pig tube while my friends are having their meal or their coffee or whatever it is that you're doing. And I don't think you need to be embarrassed about that. I think you know, that is what it is. That's your food life. Um, Take ownership of that and make sure that you discuss, and I know I've talked about this in previous episodes, about having those communication cards that explain to people what you've been through, explain to people what you need to do to ensure that your food uh, experience in that particular venue is as good as it possibly can be and nine times out of ten and I've never found anyone who hasn't helped they will bend over backwards to help you um, you know you're, you're you're working with a disability really so get that into your head and take command and take ownership of the fact that that's how you must uh, ingest calories and be social and be out and I think if that has what is what has been determined for you as a way forward for the rest of your life or even just in the immediate future. Uh, if you've been on a peg tube for a while, I would have no compunction about going out and eating publicly with that formula or getting a smoothie from them if that's something that they make and tipping it into your peg tube if that's something that's available to you. This episode is as much about not letting the side effects of head and neck cancer treatment dictate your food, life and experience as much as anything. And I think as I progress through my journey, my episodes are going to change and what I'm going to discuss is going to change a little bit. But I'm always, always happy to be um, reminded about what happens in the early days because I think we all forget how hard it is, how difficult it is and how mentally challenging it is just to deal with the everyday side effects of what's happened to your food life as a result of having tongue, voice box, teeth, jaws removed, um, you know, whatever's happened to you, um, it's it's anxiety forming. And that's the third thing that I want to talk about is perceived public um, uh, treatment and perceived public thoughts about you feeding yourself through a uh, peg tube. Uh, you know, as I say, I think it's a bit like breastfeeding. I think it probably depends a little bit on your culture, where you are, um, where you live, whether that's something that you think is socially acceptable, how much skin you can show, how much uh, personal 
disability you're allowed to show, but if you're in a situation where, you know, it doesn't really matter, um, then in my opinion, I think you should try and do it. If I had my time again, and as I say, if that was my life and I was going to have to live with a peg tube for the remainder of my life, I would have just cracked on and done it. I, I know, in fact, I know I would have. Uh, I was determined to get off my peg tube and despite having been told that I may be on it for the rest of my life, I just, no, that just was not an option for me and mostly from a travelling point of view. I talked about that in a couple of episodes ago, um, how to deal with, um, you know, the anxiety of not having food available but I really think if you have to make some decisions around public um, perception of you as a head and neck cancer treatment eating out, whether you're discreetly spitting into a serviette, whether that's because it's just food or whether it's frog spawn or mucus. And please don't take me literally, I don't mean frog spawn, but for anyone who ever collected tadpoles as a child, as I did in my lunchbox on the way home from school, <laughs> That frog spawn, that jelly frog spawn that used to sit on the underneath of leaves, that's what I liken this mucus to. Uh, that's what I'm referring to. And if you've got to spit that out into a small bowl, you know, Chinese restaurants, I've probably been doing that for most of my adult life, really. <laughs> um, so that's why I say culturally you may well be okay to do that somewhere in Hong Kong. Um, I, I To understand that in some Chinese restaurants that burping and spitting up and is actually a sign of appreciation of really good food. So, you know, I'm being careful about what I say here because different cultures have different meanings around different things and how we operate in those environments differ for every one of us. But if you are living where I am in Australia or America or Canada or Europe, um, you probably have the same restrictions as I do here. Uh, be discreet about it by all means. I certainly am. It's not terribly socially engaging to be hoiking up a whole heap of mucus or food um, whilst you're in the middle of trying to enjoy something with other friends or family. But uh, I think, you know, if you take away nothing from this conversation today, um You've got nothing to be embarrassed about. You have been through hell and back. Uh, you know you're strong and you're committed to getting yourself back to your best food life. So commit to that, own it, explain it to people. And if you're like me and you're out running or you're out walking and you just have to do it because you've got no airway, I quickly explain to people why I'm <clears throat> spitting into the bushes and covering it up with bark, you know, because... Um, you know, COVID-19 and this whole pandemic has changed people's views on bodily fluids, I think, in general. So um, that's it for today. Uh, it's a bit of a warts and all kind of discussion, but I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope it's given you a bit of um, strength and a bit of positivity to get out there and uh, do what you need to do with or without peg tube, with or without mucus, with or without coughing up and with or without anxiety. Take care, everybody. Um, I'm so pleased you joined me today here. And uh, if you'd like a copy of the free 
social eating checklist. Check below in both um, the podcast if you're listening and on YouTube if you're watching. Okay, take care. See you next time. Bye.